All right, well, I guess my computer decided to be stupid and not get my NFL picks in, so this week I am just going to go through real quick who I think is going to win each game. Dolphins at Patriots, Tua being out maybe for the season. Teddy Bridgewater can't do as much as he can, so Patriots win in Foxborough. Broncos Chiefs, Chiefs have owned Denver the past several years, and Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett. They have nothing to play for, so the Broncos will get destroyed by the Chiefs. Jaguars at the Texans, Jaguars... Better team still playing for the AFC South, even though this game's technically meaningless. Jaguars will still win in Houston versus the Texans. Colts at Giants. Colts have nothing to play for at all. Giants still fighting for a playoff spot. Giants win. Browns at Commanders, kind of same thing. Commanders get Carson Wentz back, and the Browns offense has stunk under Deshaun Watson, so the Commanders get the job done. Eagles, I think, will beat the Saints in Philadelphia, capturing the number one seat in the NFC. And, uh, the Saints, again, have nothing to play for. The Buccaneers will beat the Panthers and um, wrap up the NFC South divisional race. And uh, even though the Panthers have won three of their past four games, I just trust Tom Brady to get the job done at home. Cardinals at Falcons. No, neither of these teams have anything to play for. Falcons beat the Cardinals at home. Lions will bounce back after getting crushed by the Fal- by the Panthers. And Bears have lost eight straight. We'll, pro- we'll probably lose their ninth straight game. Vikings at Packers. So the Packers are fine for the playoff spot. And I do not trust the Vikings as at even at 12 and three. They have a plus five point differential, even with Justin Jefferson. They're they're not a team I can see going very far in the playoffs. And the Packers at home, it's hard to beat them. So I'm gonna go with the Packers at Lambeau. Rams at Chargers. Rams has nothing to play for, even though Baker Mayfield have Baker Mayfield has given them a spark at the quarterback spot. But the Chargers, they're getting healthy on both sides of the ball. They clinched the playoff spot, and they're peaking at the right time. So the Chargers will win in the matchup of SoFi Tenets. 49ers at the Raiders. 49ers are a complete team outside of quarterback. Um, and the Raiders, they benched Derek Harvard, Jared Stidham. And I don't see how the 49ers lose that game. Jets at Seahawks. Mike White is back for the Jets as quarterback. They've lost four straight, but the Seahawks have lost five in the past six. And plus, the Seahawks cannot stop the run. Plus, Tyler Lockett is out for the Seahawks as well. So, the Jets get the victory in Seattle. Sunday night matchup, you got the Steelers at the Ravens. Uh, the Steelers, behind their defense, will pull out an upset win over the Ravens. And then Monday night football, the best is truly saved for last this week. You got the Bills and the Bengals in Cincinnati going at it. 12-3 Bills, 11-4 Bengals. Bills have won six straight. Bengals seven straight. Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. You can't get much better than that. Um run the ball, limit turnovers is the key for the Bills. If they have a bounced offensive attack and Josh Allen stops turning the ball over, then the Bills are borderline unstoppable. Big plays with Stephon Diggs down the field. I think the win, but the Bengals with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and company on offense putting up points too, they'll make it competitive. But I think the Bengals defense is what gonna it's what they they are what's gonna let that team down. So the Bills, I think they will pull out a close road win over the Bengals in Cincinnati on Monday night football. All right, to college football. All right, starting off with the college football playoff games. First up, the Fiesta Bowl out in Glendale, Arizona. Got number three TCU and number two Michigan going at it. Wolverine seven-point favorites, over-unders 58 and a half. 
uh, Michigan 13 and 0, TCU 12 and 1. Kickoff three o'clock Central on ESPN tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Um, fun matchup, I think this is going to be. You got um, Sonny Dykes versus Jim Harbaugh at the head coach position. Um, Max Duggan from uh, backup to a Heisman candidate. Quite impressed to see in season for Max Duggan, who leads this TCU air raid style offense. Um, he has great guys like Kendra Miller, the running back and wide receiver, Quentin Johnson to lead the way, make plays on the outside. Um, they average about 40 points per game this year. They had 40 points per game, which was about sixth in the country. Um, very high powered offense, no doubt. And uh, one of the key reasons why TCU is here in the playoff at 12 and one. Um, on the other side for Michigan, so they beat Ohio State for the second year in a row, won the Big Ten Championship game easily, um, and are here as favorites in the Fiesta Bowl and of pick to make it to the national championship game at least. Um, their Michigan's physicality in on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball can't be understated. Their offensive line won the trophy for the best offensive line in the country again. Their center won the award for best center and best interior lineman in the nation. So that just uh, one tiny example of how their, uh, their trench players are just s superior and, and, de and they're definitely superior in this case versus TCU. Um, Michigan's defense was ranked number four overall in the country. They replaced Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive line. Just fine. They are as good as they were last year with him. Um, and Michigan, it's not not to mention both these teams are great second half teams. Um, they're good at coming back, but Michigan in particular, they have the best second half point differential in the country. They're they have outscored their opponents in the second half this season by 206 points. So that just shows you that they're a very strong second half team. And if they are leading at halftime, it is a good chance that they will beat TCU. Now, if TCU is is leading at halftime, then get your popcorn ready. And even if Michigan's winning, get your popcorn ready because this is going to be a fun, fun matchup of different styles, um, more physicality on Michigan's side, more finesse on the TCU side. Um, but with all that being said, I think I think Michigan gets the job done because their rushing attack, I don't think TCU can stop Michigan's rushing attack. And Michigan, I think, is deeper and more positions. Um, they're more experienced than TCU, you know, Michigan getting to the playoff last year also. So they know how this works a little bit and TCU has had a great run, but I think it's Michigan's time in this game and Jim Harbaugh will finally get to the national championship with Michigan and they will beat TCU by at least a touchdown. And then the other playoff game on New Year's Eve tomorrow night is the Peach Bowl in Atlanta kicks off at 7 p.m. right after the Fiesta Bowl on ESPN. You got number four, Ohio State, and number one, Georgia, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is 62. So Ohio State, the only reason they're here is because U Utah beat USC in the Pac-12 championship game. And the committee also left out Alabama, who was a two-loss team, and no two-loss team has ever been let into the playoff. Um, last time Ohio state did play was back, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, 
or, or the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I think it was like November 26th, something like that. Well, it was over a month ago, and they got their their pants taken down by Michigan, especially in the second half at in the game. They got outscored by Michigan 28 to three in that game. So that was the last time we got to see Ohio state. But um, as I've studied and heard this week, um, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Ohio state and their defense, they, they have focused and practiced on limiting those big plays, those chunk plays, both explosive runs. For example, at Michigan's Donovan Edwards and those long touchdown passes that JJ McCarthy finally showed the country that he could do. That is some, those are things that Ohio state has to limit if they have a chance versus Georgia. Now, not, not to say because their offense is elite. They're second in the country. at scoring 40, 44.3 points per game. Um, Marvin Harrison jr. Is one of the best wide receivers in the country, even though, even though the Ohio state Buckeye offense isn't going to have Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been virtually injured most of the season, and Trayvon Henderson, one of their best running backs. Marvin Harrison Jr. just makes up for it by himself because I think he only has like one drop total this season, um, which is quite remarkable given how much that he's been thrown to this year, which is well over well over 100 times. And C.J. Stroud, not to mention, was a Heisman finalist himself, um, like Max Duggan and like Stetson Ben, who I'll talk about in a second. C.J. Stroud is a great quarterback, and a lot of folks have him going in the top five in, in April's NFL draft. So this is a big chance for him and the Buckeye offense to show that they do belong in this playoff. And uh, I, I believe Ohio State, talent-wise, can match up with Georgia just fine. But like I said, they have to prevent the big play downfield, and they need to stop the run of Georgia. Because Georgia's offense, uh, as we transition over to Georgia, Georgia is not just a ground and pound team, an old school SEC team. No, they are a spread you out team. And say what you want about Stetson Bennett, who is a walk on and he may not be a future NFL superstar like some other quarterbacks that could go in this draft. But at the college level, he's as good as it gets. Um, he he may be a benefit of the system. I don't know, but he's been playing pretty darn good. Um, he could, you know, win back-to-back national championship and championships. And that's not what a lot of quarterbacks have the privilege of saying that they've done in college football. And there have been plenty of college football superstar quarterbacks to come through the college ranks the past, gosh, several decades. So that it, it would be a very, very free for Georgia if they won back-to-back natties, but that's for when, for when we get the championship game. Now, Georgia themselves is coming into this game on a 15 game winning streak their defense has stars all over the field, of course, led by Jalen Carter up front. Um, and speaking of their fronts, they're both their offensive line and defensive line. They're more physical than Ohio State. This is both games, I think, have, you know, it's a styles matchup between physicality. You got Michigan and Georgia as the more physical teams, and then TCU and Ohio State as the more finesse spreads you out teams. Um, but Georgia, like I said, their offense, they can spread you out as well. And their defense, of course, is elite. They're second in the country in points per game allowed, about 12 per game. Um, they definitely do their job, and Jalen Carter and company leads the way. Um, now, in this game, Georgia against Marvin Harrison Jr. and the Buckeyes receiving core, if they press them, like I, I go back to when they played Tennessee earlier this season, and what they did to Jalen Wyatt, which is fantastic. 
Um, they absolutely creamed Tennessee at home. Tennessee had no chance um, in that game in Athens. They just shut down Jalen Wyatt, did not allow him to burn them at all down the field. And if, and if they get physical with Marvin Harrison and the receiver core, maybe other receivers can hit. Maybe Marvin Harrison can handle a little better. Marvin Harrison Jr. can handle a little bit better than the other Ohio State receivers. But that that is the key for Georgia to beat Ohio State is get get pressy on the receivers off the line of scrimmage and not allow Ohio State to get open right off the line of scrimmage. Because if that happens, then C.J. Stroud can really put up some big numbers. With all of that said, I just think Georgia is more talented, um, especially on defense. Their defense is just full of future draft picks like they were last year. Um, and I Georgia, they're looking more and more like the new Alabama, where it's just going to be a dynasty, where they're the team to beat in the SEC East and maybe even the SEC overall, depending on when Nick Saban finally goes downhill. Um, Ohio State, they probably are going to fix some things, but I think Kirby Smart will spot things and make adjustments pretty quick. That's a big reason why Georgia has gotten to this point. They have had a few close calls this year, like close calls this year, for example, at Missouri. And I think it was like Murray, not Murray State, um, Kent State, I think it might have been where they just screwed around at home and they didn't really put their foot on the gas and, and delivered a big blowout win. But you're going to have those games. But Georgia, they're both these teams are great. They're both battle-tested, but I think Georgia is just better overall, and that's why they're favorite, and that's why I think they're going to win the Peach Bowl. So in the national championship, no surprise to anybody, I'm going to have number one Georgia against number two Michigan, and that game will be on January 9th, and we'll just wait and see how the playoff games play out tomorrow, New Year's Eve, and then we'll go forward um, previewing and predicting the college football playoff national championship game. And... Speaking of other big bowl matchups, um, I've skipped over most of the bowls for this bowl season. I'm only going to talk about the other New Year's Six games because those are really the only ones that most people pay attention to and think that they mean something at least. Um, so first up, you got the Orange Bowl, which is actually going on right now in Miami between, between number six, Tennessee, and number seven, Clemson. It looks like with just over seven and a half left in the first quarter, it is Tennessee and Clemson both um, scoreless. So um, Clemson is favored by four and a half in this game, probably because Hinden Hooker, the stud quarterback for Tennessee, unfortunately tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago and is out. Um, Jalen Wyatt, their best wide receiver, also opted out. You got Joe Milton. For, for Tennessee suiting up a quarterback, their backup. And Clemson is trotting out Cade Klubnik, who a lot of folks think should have been the starter over DJU to begin the season. Now, that didn't happen, but when he was put in the ACC championship game, Cade Klubnik just absolutely balled out, and they ended up destroying North Carolina and winning the ACC championship, and that's why they're here. And Will Shipley, of course, is a big weapon for Clemson as well. I think... Tennessee is driving right now. It's scoreless. I think, I think Dabo Sweeney is more used to these situations. He's been in so many playoff games already the past several years and several New Year's Six games. He, and he knows what he's doing. Josh Heupel, he's a great coach, and he has Tennessee 
moving in the right direction as a whole. But I think Clemson, with their program experience and Dabo at the helm, I think they're just going to get it done. So I'm, I think Clemson wins tonight, wins the Orange Bowl, and uh, covers the four-and-a-half-point spread. Now, uh, tomorrow, New Year's Eve, before the playoff games, first up, you got the Sugar Bowl versus number five Alabama with number five Alabama and number nine Kansas State in New Orleans. So this kicks off New Year's Eve tomorrow at noon central time on ESPN. Alabama sits sits at number five, K-State number nine, uh, over-unders 56. K-State is bottom line under Chris Kleiman, who, by the way, had great success as Notre North Dakota State's head coach in the FCS. They are great versus top five teams. They just, they give top ranked teams problems no matter what the situation is. And Alabama, they have Will Anderson and Bryce Young both opting in to to play in this game. So Alabama is more tilted toward full strength. Um, but K-State's going to give them a run for their money. Deuce Vaughn rushing the ball, Will Howard with his savvy quarterback play. This is going to be a close game. I'm going to pick Bama to win. Sorry, Dad. Uh, but this is going to be a very, very tight game where it could come down to whoever has the ball last could decide it on the last possession. So I'm going to think that's Bama, but it'll be fun to see this game. And then the Cotton Bowl on January 2nd at noon on ESPN. Number 16, Tulane at number 10, USC at Jerry World. Um, which I'm not too far away from now. I'm doing this podcast right now in Arlington at my fiance's um, grandmother's house, um, uh, visiting her and her family over the Christmas holidays. Um, and I actually drove past AT&T Stadium last night um, on my way back from a family activity that we did last night. Uh, anyway, the over-under for this game is 62. Um, the big thing for USC if Caleb Williams has a healthy hamstring, then they have a chance. If not, then then it's going to be tough for them to do much on offense. And their top receiver, also Jordan Addison, for USC has an ankle problem. And USC's defense straight up is just bad. They're, they give up so many points, so many yards. They, they force a lot of turnovers, but they're just bad in a bunch of other statistical categories. And Tulane, under quarterback Michael Pratt, has just played great this season. They're, I think, 10-3 and three or 11-2, something like that. Um, I think they'll be more excited to play at the Cotton Bowl than USC was. I think USC was really gunning for that playoff in their, fir- in their first full year under Lincoln Riley. Um, they they almost got there, but Caleb Williams and them came up just, just short. Um, I'm going to go with USC to squeak by Tulane, but it's going to be, again, a very, very close game. I don't think USC even wins by two. It's going to come down last possession, and it will be a very close game. Okay, and then the last New Year's Six game I'll talk about is the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Um, not on New Year's Day this year. Um, on January 2nd, the day after New Year's, at 4 o'clock on Central on ESPN, usual time but a different date. Um, and it's a weird setup this year. New Year's is on a Sunday, so it was wise for them to put them put it away from Sunday where the NFL is always king. Anyway, the matchup is number 11 Penn State and number 8 Utah, the Pac-12 champions who are two and a half point favorites uh, and the over-under is 52 and a half. So Penn State, all their wins this year 
10 of them are against unranked teams. And who did they lose to? Number two, Michigan, and number four, Ohio State, who are both playing in the college football playoff. And Penn State record, Penn State's record against AP top 10 teams has not been good. They've lost 11 straight games against AP top 10 teams, top 10 teams. So Sean Clifford, the quarterback, um, uh, Nick, Nick Singleton, and Katron Allen, their running backs, they need to figure out something to attack this Utah defense and their rush defense, especially because Utah's defense is no joke. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham has his guys ready to play no matter what the situation is. Um, Penn State's top cornerback, Joey Porter Jr., did opt out, so that's not good for them either. Utah's Cam Rising, their quarterback, he's just been playing better and better every game this season. And Penn State, I would say, is more talented, but Utah, I think, will play more as a team, as weird as that sounds, but there's a reason Utah's favorite. So I'm going to go with the Utah Utes to win the Rose Bowl over number 11, Penn State. All right, some other news before I head out for the evening. Um, some contracts for baseball that I'll get to. I didn't get to last week because I didn't put out an episode. Uh, Dansby Swanson, from the, formerly of the Braves, um, part of their World Series core a couple of years ago, he goes to the Cubs for seven years and $117 million. J.D. Martinez goes to the Dodgers one year, $10 million from formerly of the Red Sox and used to be Houston Astro as well. So Carlos Correa, um, he was going to sign with the Giants for 12 years and $315 million, but now he is signing with the Mets now for 12 years and $315 million. The Mets themselves have spent over $800 million on offseason signings this year. It's been insane to see what the Mets have done spending-wise. But there was also something about Carlos Correa's physical that did not satisfy the Mets. So that situation, I believe, is now up in the air. I might have to double-check on that, but uh, I haven't seen him officially don a Mets uniform at a press conference and be excited to play for the New York Mets. I might be wrong, but I'll have to check. Um, last week, I believe, um, the Phoenix Suns were purchased for $4 billion by billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia. Of course, the Suns are up for sale because their former owner, Robert Sarver, um, had a lot of stuff going on under his watch in the Suns organization, and he had to sell the team. Okay, with football, of course, I mentioned the Broncos getting rid of Nathaniel Hackett earlier after just 15 games. So the Walter Penner group, the Walmart owners who bought the team after uh, Nathaniel Hackett was hired, um, they were just tired of the way the Bron Broncos were losing. And Nathaniel Hackett's not the whole reason, but he was a reason why they, they have sucked this year. Um and Russell Wilson also is a big reason why, too. But um, their next head coach, they will get a head start on that, and hopefully the Broncos will be more competitive next year. Um, and I, in my opinion, I think it should be an experienced coach. It should not be a first time. I know D'Amico Ryans and Byron Leftwich, those guys are looking for jobs, but I don't think this would be a good job for them. Someone like Frank Wright, you know, the Colts, who Colts fired Frank Wright, He's an experienced head coach on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe he can be more of a quarterback guru to Russell Wilson. The whole reason that the Packers, or excuse me, the whole reason I think the Broncos got Nathaniel Hackett in the first place 
was so Aaron Rodgers could come to Green Bay or come to Denver because Hackett was um, um, the Packers offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach and Aaron Rodgers talked him up as a good guy. Maybe not as a great head coach, but he definitely had success with Hackett as his quarterback coach winning back-to-back MVPs. Rodgers did. So Broncos will get a new head coach um, anytime in the next maybe weeks or months. We'll just have to see, but um, their season is lost and has been lost for quite some time this year. Sad news, unfortunately, J.J. Watt, um, he is retiring from the NFL after this season. Reportedly, he played 11 years, three-timed NFL Defensive Player of the Year, um, most all-time up there with Lawrence Taylor. Um, Definitely a first-bout Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He did so much for Houston, especially on the field and off the field. Um, especially during Hurricane Harvey five years ago, what he did through that alone um, was, was just absolutely incredible. Um, he has a family now. Um, saw his new baby. Just saw his, saw him playing an NFL game for the first time. But the kid won't be watching him for very long, I guess. But congratulations, JJ, on your retirement. Um, you definitely deserve it. Thanks for all the memories. Um, you definitely proved a lot of people wrong. Um, starting with draft night and you, you did amazing things for the city of Houston, both on and off the field. So congratulations on your retirement. Enjoy it. Enjoy your family life. And um, I sure hope to see you in Shrine and Canton in a few years time. Um, Ed Reed, a pro football hall of famer as well. He became head coach at Bethune Cookman, the college there. And then finally, um, I think it was yesterday, yesterday, the day before it was announced that Pele the superstar Brazilian soccer player died at age 82, um, regarded by many as arguably the best player of all time in soccer. You could argue Maradona. You can argue Messi now since he won the World Cup. But he won the World Cup three times and um, was a true icon for the sport. You got guys like Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappe, um, so many others, so many superstars just saying that, you know, Wearing the number 10 made made it so special, and he influenced a lot in the game of soccer. So rest in peace, Pele, at the age of 82, a three-time World Cup champion and a true icon for soccer. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. Um, a belated Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you as well. Um, the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. Week 18 next week will decide everything. Um, you know. College Football Playoff National Championship will be talked about in the next episode. Um, college basketball is in full swing. Uh, just a lot of stuff. Just It never stops, does it? It just keeps going and going and going. So I will talk to you in the next episode in 2023. Hope you had a great 2022, and I hope the next new year is even better for you in all ways, shapes, and forms. If you want to go to anger.fm slash Lance Sampson to support, I'd really appreciate it. And thank you so much for checking it out. Again, tell your friends and family about the show, and I will talk to you in the new year. Take care.